Hey everybody, this is Josh for episode 123 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm very happy to be joined by Sean Sunderland. Sean, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Very, very excited as well, Sean. Can you start just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and what you're working on right now? Yeah, of course. I'm the creator of Brand Roots. Brand Roots is a brand consulting and personal guidance company. I've earned a little bit of a reputation as, as the brand healer for helping you heal the areas that are out of alignment in your business, as well as creating an empowered mindset in the creator and moving both forward with an actionable plan. So, you know, I love helping unique service-based offers and really creating that strong strategy, helping them with their design, helping them get to the level that they need to be and building that mindset that equals the outcome they're looking for. Hmm. It's, it's really cool. And when I was looking at your website, it was really interesting. And, and part of why I even started this podcast to begin with was I'll see entrepreneurs, solopreneurs like you. And I wonder, how did you get to become that, right? You don't wake up and, you know, in the morning one day randomly or, or kind of, I guess, dream of being that per se as a young kid. So I'm very curious, Sean, like, where did, where did that where did that start? Did you have a job in branding at the beginning of your career, or what, what do you think was kind of the beginning of of becoming what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a great question, man. It's a loaded question because that takes us back about a little over a decade. But it actually was a point where I just was fed up with my life. I was working at a job that I felt was a dead end job. I wasn't happy with the person that I had become. I decided to take an opportunity or a chance in the entrepreneurial space in the cannabis sector. And I dove into business with a really good friend of mine and with no business experience, no business knowledge. And, you know, I had to learn a lot of hard lessons in that first business, but that's what started my entrepreneur path. And in that I created a product that, you know, we developed the branding, we developed everything from the strategy, the design, you name it. And when that packaging arrived at my house and I actually got to hold it and feel it and see it all come together, like all the brainstorming and everything, that is where my spark and love for branding came in, right? And recognizing what goes into it and at the same time, the importance of having this strategy to align with an audience and have them have that experience where like they want to buy your product over everyone else's. Branding is so key and it's, it's a lot of why we make decisions on the products we use or the services we buy. So it's once I had that spark in me, that led me to my next business and so on and so forth. And then eventually creating brand roots. And, and, you know, my second business was, you know, a massive business. It was a CBD business that went across Canada. You know, we did, we were in 250 plus stores. We were, we're rocking it. We created a really niche product and it was really cool. And, you know, I took all the wisdom that I learned from the first and second businesses. And now I help other people create their business based off, you know, what they're trying to do in their industry. Right. Very cool. And sounds like a pretty natural evolution. Can you talk about when you decided that you were so unhappy in your job to kind of take that first step into the entrepreneurial journey or, or whatever you want to call it? What was, the, what was the job you were working in at the time? And then what do you think was the trigger? Like what was the event or time of the year or whatever it was that ultimately made you say, okay, now it's actually time to make a change? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And, you know, first, first time I've been asked that question actually, but my background is actually, so I was a tradesman hmm. and I had taken a position at a high paying job where the work was not challenging at all. And I was going to work and, you know, I was 
you know, you're making a good living and, you know, looking after the kids and the family and everything. It was great. But at the same time, it was almost like spiritual death where it was just like going to work and you're just doing mindless tasks. And I didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel like I was becoming the best version of myself. And that was kind of the rock bottom where, you know, it's like everybody has a different rock bottom. And mine was like looking in the mirror and not being happy with what I was accomplishing and who I was as a person at that time. And the things that I was doing, the people I was hanging out with, and, and you know, I really reevaluated my life, and I started making significant changes to allow for the entrepreneurial path to come. You know, I started working with personal development coaches and really diving into myself and why I was unhappy, how I kind of ended up there. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we create a reality, right? So how did Sean end up in this job where he felt like it was dead end? Yes, you know, a lot of people from the outside would be like, "Well, you know, he's doing well," but at the same time, it's like I was so unfulfilled, and it's like. So my journey of like fulfillment as at the same time as my journey of like wanting to have a different career was what's kind of born. Right. Yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of sense and, and very common with a lot of stories. How did you decide to, or figure out that first business, especially because it sounds like there is quite literally zero connection to, to what you were doing before? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've always had an interest in the cannabis space, you know, like a lot of people use it for recreational, but there's also a lot of healing properties that are behind the cannabinoids and, and the, the properties that it has. And, you know, a friend of mine at that time in Canada, it was kind of the wild, wild, wild west of cannabis where we were, they were allowing stores to set up and brands to be created and everything else. And, you know, I saw the opportunity in the market. And a friend and I were discussing, uh, you know, creating a, pro a product that we could potentially sell to the, the dispensaries. And we came up with like, a, a good idea. And, uh, you know, that was kind of how I took that next step and, you know, really wanted to challenge myself. Right. Was, was there a date where you kind of like, did you quit Friday, start Monday type thing? Or did you guys start out moonlighting? How, how did you actually start it at the beginning? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, in the beginning it was, it was, it was moonlighting for sure. Like, you know, I'd have, I'd, I kept the job for a while and, you know, it wasn't actually too long. Eventually I just committed to the idea. I mean, like you, these, these ideas, yes, you have to be cautious with where you are in your life and what you, what you kind of have going on as far as bills and what, who you're looking after and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, you can't necessarily do both, right? Like these ideas take commitment when you're not committing. Like I believe in like the, the, the universal law that, you know, they, what you're, trying to create and what you're putting your energy into is, is what is being created for you. But if you're putting your energy in multiple places at once, I mean, who knows what you're not actually creating in any of those areas per se. Right. So eventually I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the, the risk. And I saw the opportunity with where the market was at in Canada. And, you know, there's so many gaps in the market at the time because it was just, it's just new. Right. Right. So what do, what do you think people should use as factors when making the decision of, of when to make the switch over, let's say there's some listeners, they, they're also working a nine to five. They're not happy. They've maybe started a side hustle or a project. Did you hit a certain milestone in terms of revenue or was it more of like a feeling like, oh, wow. You know, like you were kind of saying, this looks really promising. I don't want to spend any more energy on the job. Like how, how do you think people should approach that decision of when to pull the trigger? I think it's unique to everybody's situation and kind of what they have going on. Like, I don't encourage anybody to just quit their nine to five if they have, you know, a lot of bills or they don't have kind of a nest egg that they can, can kind of depend on. But at the same time, it's like, 
if you look at it like you only have one life to live, are you really going to continue working a job that you just don't like? You get no fulfillment. You know, like, I mean, there's a part of you that has to want it so bad that you're like, I'm going to make this work no matter what. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. and that's what I've done with my previous companies where it's just like, okay, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to walk away from this high paying job, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I'm making the right decisions to make this work because I'm not having a default default setting. Right. So, Right. You know, and it comes down to the kind of the will of the person. And at the same time, you know, you, there are factors at play, like I mentioned earlier. Absolutely. And so walk us through like the first three to six months, you, you decide to quit the job. It's you and your friend and you're starting this new business. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Was it, was it scary? What, what were the, what were the feelings? And then also what were the couple things that you did? Like what were the first few things that you did at the beginning that you would recommend others to do or, or maybe not do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great, great question, man. But uh, you know, in the beginning it's like, it's coupled like with mixed emotions. Like you're excited, you're going on this new path, this new journey, you know, like there's something comes alive in you. And at the same time, there's obviously that fear where you kind of have to silence that mind where it's like, you know, is this going to work? You know, in the, you know, you, at the same time entering that kind of market, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, you guys are nuts. You guys shouldn't be doing this, you know, like, you know, and, and it was, they were taking it as a big risk. And, you know, the first business like was, you know, in my opinion was a failure in a lot of ways. Right. And it's like, I tell everybody, I tell all my clients, like failures are your greatest successes. If you can, step back and look at them objectively and learn the lessons that they carry. Right. And so getting into business with somebody else, like, or giving some advice to your audience would be set a foundation and a strategy prior to starting a business, right? Like we had an idea, but we hadn't actually implemented foundation strategy. You know, were we starting with one product? Were we starting with 10, you know, like once we had one product, my business partner, he was a really creative guy, but he had no brains on creating products. All of a sudden we had 20 products when it's like, and now we have 20 products of, of overhead, packaging, everything. And how many product, how many problems I caused? And like, then you have frustration, stress, and you have capital problems and everything else. And so creating a strong foundation with strategy that you're going to follow to some degree and getting yourself to a point where say your first product is generating a revenue. And then at that point, you can start expanding your, your menu and, and everything else, right? So, you know, I advise everybody based off the experience that I've had is hire a consultant. And it's like, I'm not saying to your audience, they, you need to hire me. It's like, I hire consultants for myself because it keeps you aligned and it keeps your strategy strong. We're not going to deviate and try to do a whole bunch of things that you don't need to be doing. And that's what we did in the first business. It was just like... Oh yeah, we could do that. We'll make that. Okay. We'll create that. And it's like, all of a sudden we have a product list of 20 and two brands and everything else. And it was like, you know, we got overexcited and, and that ultimately, you know, ended the business. Right. Can, can you talk us through how, how that happened? Like how did things, where, what went wrong? And also you alluded to the kind of first time you held that packaging. Can you, can you tell us that story in, in more detail? Yeah, of course. So had we not been so green in this area, where green I say is like inexperienced in creating products and developing strategy, we had something that nobody else was doing at the time. We had live resin vape pens, which were, were really unique. Nobody had them on the market. We had something that had we positioned ourselves correctly as the live resin brand and you know spe specifically in vapes at the time, we could have really positioned ourselves well to grow in the market. 
right? But we just didn't recognize that. We're just like, oh, live resin is cool, but what else can we make? And it's like, you know, and mm -hmm. then, you know, your brand gets convoluted and nobody really knows what you stand for now, right? They don't know who you are. What pillars are these guys building from and, and how, and what are they trying to accomplish in their, in their journey, right? And so when I held that first package, that was for that product. And it was like that feeling that I had, I was like, oh man, this is so cool. You know, we have a lot of vapes and we have, uh, a really unique product, but I couldn't actually see the full picture at that time, right? So we just kind of went off to the races and, and continued building and building and building. But had I looked at it differently, I would have been like, hey man, we need to focus on this. We need to have, you know, four different strains that we carry all the time and give a really unique experience to these people and really leverage ourselves as the, as the uh, live resin brand and come up with a name like like a really unique, like, you know, like, like Dank or like those other brands that have done something really to encapsulate what your product does, right? Or the, the, the terpenes that it provides, right? So, right. Yeah. So w would you say one of probably many lessons that you learned was, especially when starting out, like keep your product or service offerings very, very narrow, almost like more in, in the service business you would call like a niche. I don't know if that term applies as much in the product space. It probably does. Keeping things very narrow and focus on revenue generation first before expansion. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that if when you have a good idea or an, an idea, start with a product, you can have different SKUs in that, pro, one, in that one type, right? But don't have multiple products with different packaging and everything else. Get that one product established, get it moving, have some working capital in the company and then start expanding, right? You don't, like, we try to expand too fast and that that's what really caused a lot of problems in the business. Got it. So at, at what point did you guys kind of figure out that, hey, maybe this isn't going to work? And, and what was the, I guess, ending of that first business experience like? Yeah, I mean, the, the writing was on the wall early on and, and uh, you know, we kept trying to make it work and make it work. And, you know, when we were investing more than we were making and, you know, I was after about three and a half years and the business kind of was it turning around and we were forming all these faulty partnerships. And, and one of the big lessons that I learned that showed up really a lot later was that we were act, we got to a point where we're like, okay, we need this to work, you know, and then you, then you're acting out of desperation in some way and you start attracting those kind of people into your life. And we've started forming these partnerships where, you know, it benefited more of the partner than it did us. And, you know, people were kind of taking advantage of where we were at because they knew we needed some kind of ar arrangements. And, and, you know, once I recognized that where we were operating from and at the same time, you know, dealing with the partner that I was dealing with, I knew it was time to, to separate and, and, and move on. And, uh, you know, thankfully I did because that led me to my, my next partnership in the CBD space. And, and that's when, you know, I really learned how to operate a business and you know what a brand needs and, and how to how to really execute on high level yeah and, and i think you said it really well earlier in the episode which is like you know quote unquote failures can actually be extremely valuable if you use them in the right way right like you mm -hmm. said evaluate them objectively figure out what you can learn and because otherwise if you don't it, it is a total waste right but you can be a quote unquote business failure, but still learn so much from that experience that it's worth it in, in a weird sense, right? So when, when that first business came to an end, Sean, what led to the second one? Was it kind of like, as things were winding down, you met this new partner or you thought of this new idea, or did you take some time off in between? Like, I'd love to hear some of the details of, of how and how long it took to make that transition. 
Yeah, it's a per- perfect intro to this too, because because I had sat with, you know, why this wasn't working and, and kind of recognized where we made mistakes. I actually went and created the live resin lineup that I was talking about on my own, hmm. where I just had a really specific product. And I started seeing success really quickly. And actually from that, I started getting headhunted by other people who were trying to create their own products. And, you know, I saw this opportunity with these with my two partner, my two previous partners. And, uh, you know, we had to sit down and they had a really unique product and, you know, asked if we could ex- execute it. And, you know, that's exactly what we did. And then we stuck to a game plan. We had a game plan from the day one. We had a strategy. We knew the target audience we were targeting. We knew how we were going to target them. We knew how we were going to speak to them. You know, everything was in place early on. Right. So that's kind of what led me to my, my second partnership. Got it. Any, any tips or advice for people who are looking for or considering business partnerships like what 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 was it that you were kind of looking for in those first conversations or or what what's convincing enough to be like yes this is the type of person i want to start a business with josh i got tons of advice on this area so the first first partnership was with my best friend and you know there's a reason that that saying that timeless saying is still being said which is don't go into business with friends and family I thought I had the unshakable friendship, the, the un, un, unbeatable friendship. And, uh, you know, it's it's just when you get into business and the stressors and the money and everything else gets comes to play, you know, true colors get shown and, uh, you know, it's, it can be really challenging. But the partnership that um, I built a really successful business with, I went in with a mindset of, of who's doing what in the company? What are the roles? Do we have defined roles? Do they complement each other? So if I'm looking after product creation and, and, and branding, what are the other two guys looking after? You know, like one of one of my partners was operations and, and back of the house. So the, the, the number side of things, the accounting side of things. The other one was the, the, the one who was looking after the marketing and social media. And it's like, okay, now all of our, our, our areas complement each other and we can have spillover where we can have input on each other's. But at the, at the end of the day, we're responsible for those areas. And so we know that, hey, you know, like when, something's not getting done, we can confront that person and be like, Hey, you know, this is in your department. Why did this not get done and have that conversation where everybody knows their, their responsibilities. Got it. Anything in regards to personality or, or is it more on kind of practical roles within the company? Or do you look for people who have similar personalities because you mesh mesh better or like similar, similar personal interests? Does any of that matter at all? You know, I didn't really look too much into the personal interests on that level, but uh, you know, one of the guys who was headhunting me, we had had previous conversations and we had gone out for beers and stuff like that. So I knew I got on with him to some, some degree. Right. And uh, you know, the business partner that he brought in was a good friend of his and I kind of just trusted that process, but uh, that's not to say not to take that into consideration because you do want to be able to work with the people and have similar characteristics or complementary characteristics where you're not going to have a problem early in the business. But for me, it was definitely knowing what each other were doing and, you know, how we were going to handle that and how we're going to handle as a team. Absolutely. It it makes a ton of sense. It's almost one of those things that like sounds obvious, but probably so many partners get wrong for whatever reason, especially in a first business, just covering all the bases from a role standpoint. I see it a lot in tech where like you'll have two two business guys want to start a tech company and like neither of them have tech experience or, you know, two marketing two you know, two ops, whatever, whatever. Cool. So, so this business takes off, does very well. What's, Mm -hmm. how, how did that come to an end? Yeah. Good question. I mean, we, we, we did really well and we, we got a lot of attention from big players in the industry. 
And at that point, we decided to sign a partnership. You know, I'll leave the names off, but with one of the bigger parties. And unfortunately, the partnership just didn't work out in our favor. I mean, we thought we had the dream ticket and we thought we had, you know, we'd, we'd had a lot of conversations with a lot of companies and we thought we had signed with the, the correct one. But at that time, we didn't take in consideration where their business was at. And their business was expanding at a rapid rate. They had a huge project being developed. They had onboarded 11 other brands and we were the CBD brand. And we didn't take that in consideration of how, how big their team was and how, how they were looking after each brand. So when we were the 12th brand being, I don't know if we we're in order, but there's 12 brands and we just kind of got, you know, pushed back the, a little bit and then we weren't getting the attention that we needed. And at the same time, they didn't fully understand our vision where we were craft canvas. You know, we were really, we were really put a lot of emphasis on creating that experience for our user, right? So we wanted the packaging to resemble that. We wanted the experience to resemble that, the flavors, the ingredients, everything to be top notch. And at that time, you know, it was like, well, let's just get it on the shelf and we, we can readjust. And it was like, well, that's not our strategy. That's not who we are. And that's not who our audience knows us as. And, you know, we just kind of kept running into red tape after red tape. And after about a year of, of working with these people, we both, both parties just came to the conclusion that this isn't working and, and we decided to opt out. And at that point we signed a, a second partnership and the second partnership was based off our, our, our number one selling product was, which was a topical. And at that time, the number one competitor in the U.S. had signed a partnership in Canada and they had a four province approach based off a product that was very similar to what we were coming to market with. And that kind of just took the window of the sales. At that point, both my partners said, you know, we're done. We've knocked on so many doors and we've been trying to make this work on, on this side. And, you know, I, and that's kind of that's kind of where we had left off. Hmm. Very interesting. What are, what are your thoughts on partnerships? And, and I ask because it's very top of mind for me right now. And I mean, a good partnership can be incredible, right? But it can be very tough to find them, right? And so I, I've been talking to lots of people about this recently, some of whom saying, listen, don't put too much effort and time into partnerships, you know, go find paying clients, because partnerships can be very hard to do successfully in, in the long run. Any thoughts on that, especially going through those experiences? Yeah. I mean, like I'm at the point right now where I really assess everything where it's like, if I can do it on my own, or if I can hire somebody out to do what I think my partner would be doing, then I would go that route personally. That's just based off my previous experiences, you know, and, and like, yeah, like, I mean, like it really comes down to the type of person, like you mentioned before, and this is actually coming up really clear right now. It's just that, you know, like if you're an easygoing person and it's not going to weigh on you that, Hey, you know, they didn't do something that you think they should, and, or, or it's not taken care of the way that you would have taken care of it. It's not going to bother you and really grind those gears. Then, you know, a partnership might be easier for you, but you need to find somebody who's, who's kind of complimentary to that. Right. Because if you are somebody who, you know, has certain expectations or wants to be included in certain areas and you know like and it, and it bothers you like you know like uh, then partnerships can really really be challenging right and you know I, i'm at the point with you know at least brand roots like you know i have no intention of having a partner if i do re-enter the cannabis space you know which you know i've thought about numerous times then maybe an investor but i, I still don't even think i would have a partner at that time just based mm -hmm. on the experience that I've, I've had with partners interesting very interesting so sean that that second business comes to a close is this where brand roots, like, is, is this where that story begins? And, and if so, how did that kick off? 
Yeah. So once, once we closed, my, my other, two other partners had actually moved on to a, a different business in a totally different sector. And, and I was actually, this was a really interesting time for me because, uh, I had attached part of my personality to what we had created. Like, you know, like amongst my friends and, and peers and, you know, I was a CBD guy, like everybody knew me for that. And, you know, like, and, you know, we thought we were going places and everywhere else. And so when that ended, you know, I actually went into a really kind of uncomfortable period where it was like, okay, well, who am I now? And, you know, this is really what I teach a lot of my clients as well as like, you know, like your business is a reflection of you, but it's not who you are. So don't get attached to the idea of, of what you're creating for somebody else, whether it be a service or a product, that it's any part of your personality because it's not. The business is a reflection of who you are, but maintain that separation. Because if it stops overnight like ours did, then, you know, how, how are you going to show up in the world and how are you going to take those skills and apply them other places or similar areas, right? And it's, so it's a really unique, uncomfortable place. And through that, I just kind of sat with myself and, you know, I, I said, you know, like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And at that time I was like, you know, I was fed up with, with what happened, how, how the business ended and how many doors we knocked on, how many potential partnerships we had. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't feel like that's the area to go. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm, I love branding. And I was like, you know, I sat with myself. I love everything that it represents and like how we make decisions based off, you know, design and colors and everything else. And it's like, and I've, I'd accumulated this wealth of knowledge over a decade of, of working in the, in the industry. And I just started creating brand roots and I just said, I'm like, you know, I'm going to consult for other businesses and, and, and kind of see how my skills kind of transfer over and, and, uh, you know, the success that I've had with clients has been tremendous. You know, it's just been absolutely great to see the impact that I've had on businesses. Obviously it comes down to the business owner, actually what gets applied and everything else, but you know, it's been really transformative in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, it really fills my cup helping people and kind of problem solving the areas that they can't necessarily see. And I right. tell everybody at the same time, like, you know, when you are in the bottle, like when you, when it's your business, you're in the bottle, you can't read the label. And it's like, so that's when I come in, it's like, Hey man, you know, have you looked over here? Have you noticed that your, your brand's more resonating with this kind of audience? And, and I really enjoy that part of the, of the work. And, and that's also why I say like, I hire consultants as well, because I'm in the bottle for my own business. And, you know, I constantly think, no, it has to be this way. And I'm a consultant. I should know this. And it's like, well, no, that's not the case. It's your tunnel vision because you're in your own business. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true in, in almost any, any aspect of the business. So that's why I would agree that having those, whatever you call them, consultants, coaches for almost every, every area advisors can be, can be really helpful. And so when you made that decision, Sean, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do this. What were the first few things that you did? Did you come up with the name, do branding, do website stuff first? Did you start just knocking on doors, offering services. And the other thing I was curious about was, did you first go to the industry that you had connections in, CBD in that area, or did you kind of intentionally try to break out, or was it maybe a mix of like random companies versus companies in the industry that you had a lot of experience in? Yeah, okay, so a lot of questions there. So yeah. when, I, when I started, brand roots, I, had, I, I created an offer. I created what I think I would want somebody to do for me. And I started beta testing it with friends that had businesses, you know, just on, on the cuff, I just say, Hey, you know, like, can I take you through this process and you give me feedback on 
what you think. And, you know, with the first two people that I took it through, there was a lot of changes made in their business and they had a lot of appreciation for what the offer was. And they're like, okay, you're really onto something. As far as the name went, you know, I did kind of took myself through a whole journey with the name. Once I had kind of the offer and what I wanted to offer and what I think it's, what I felt it stood for, which was roots, foundation, you know, creating that, you know, platform to build from, you know, I started just testing. I, I did the whole thing where I had all different names around and kind of tested them on how they fit and how I felt they resonated with the brand. And I also ran those by, you know, a ton of people where it was like, Hey, you know, which one do you feel resonates with you and why? As hmm. far as the consulting in, in the cannabis space, you know, I did consult for an, a couple people and, um, you know, it was really challenging in that area because you're either consulting for massive companies that are on the regulated side. There are really no small companies. It might've changed now, but uh, you know, at the time that I was consulting, it was like you're big companies where teams and everything else and, or you're on the unregulated side, but then it's at the same time, it's, it, you're not really working with people who really want to develop their strategy. They're just kind of in it for the money and everything else. So I felt that it was an easy transition out of that time. And at the same time, my wife and I and my two kids, we moved down to Mexico. So there's a huge change that took place. And I just knew that I wanted to build a remote business. And, uh, you know, I just took everything I knew from branding and, and, and hammered at it. Hmm. I, I like the approach because what you hear of a lot of times is, is people will do the opposite, right? They'll think of a name, they'll build the website, they'll pick out their colors and blah, blah, blah but they don't actually know what the business is yet, right? They haven't offered anything. They haven't sold anything. They haven't gotten any market feedback. So I, I, I like the way that you approached it. And it also sounds like you were taking your own advice in kind of creating this one offer, right? Even we can, we can relate it to the products, right? You had one offer. It's a service now instead of a product, but you know, I guess productized service, you can call it. And you went out to the market and, and I'm assuming kind of like got that one rolling before you maybe branched out into other things, if, if you did at all. And so how did you get your first paying clients and, and what would you recommend? Because obviously coaching, consulting, service businesses, very popular for solopreneurs that are trying to you know break out from their nine to five. And probably the hardest part is getting clients, right? Or getting those first few paying clients, getting the referrals coming in, the snowball effect. How did you get your first few? Yeah, good question. One more thing I want to add on to how I created this offer. I really went back to where I was in the first business and what I needed at, the, at that time. And that's really mm. was what was, was the creation of brand roots where it's like, I recognize what we did with the second business that would apply for the first business. How can I create that in a digestible way for another business that's evolving in some way. Right. So um, that's kind of how I created the offer. The offer has evolved since, you know, I don't work with startups. I work with businesses who have been into business for a number of years, but their business is, is evolving. It's taking that next step. And when we take those next steps, often things fall out of alignment from their messaging, who you're targeting, you know, like you might want to do a redesign or, or something along those lines. And those are the clients that I really gravitate towards and, and it can really help. The second question, I think I'm going to need a reminder on that because I went on a tangent there, but yeah, just, just about getting those first few paying clients. How did that go? Right. So the first two paying, paying clients. So what I did in the beginning was I, I offered my offer really low at a low price. And I had already built up a little bit of word of mouth because of what I had created with the people who I offered her for free. So the first two clients were free. They refer, I asked them, you know, like, Hey, who could benefit from this out of that, that, you know, and then I started doing an interview process in that kind of area where 
I would call them, talk about their business. Hey, I'm offering this. This is I'm I'm learning my offer right now, and so I'm actually looking for you to help me refine it. I'm offering it at a really low price. Do you want to go through this experience? And you know, being vulnerable at that time, you know, is a really big benefit to me as well because then they're just open to giving you the feedback and they know you're learning and they know that they're getting a smoke and deal on whatever you're doing and the time that you're putting into their business. But they also come back and be like, Hey, you know, like this area worked really well, but you know, this is kind of confusing or, you know, like how you, how you were running me through it using Google docs was a little bit confusing. And, and then I can make those necessary changes. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, like where so many entrepreneurs or solopreneurs get caught up is that everything has to be perfect. The people who succeed are the people who try and beta test things and learn from their mistakes and, 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 and apply those, the lessons to the next offer and continue on that level. And they, they, they know that it's going to be imperfect in the way, like, you know, when we think we need a website right away, we need all this stuff right away. And it has to be that way. It's like, okay, well, who's viewing your website? You know, like, how are you getting that traffic to that website for actually actual people to view, right? It's like, you know, that website might sit there for a couple months without having anybody visit it. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, really you need to get clear on your offer. You need to get clear on what you're, how to offer it. And then hone in that craft where you're adding so much value to that business. Then you start building around it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that approach. I, I was just, I just posted about this on LinkedIn today, which by the time this airs, unfortunately will probably be a couple weeks down the road, but I was just talking about this in the context of posting content on social media, which kind of alludes to the same thing. And, and I said, I would rather post B plus content four to five times a week than Mm -hmm. A plus content once or twice a week, right? Get it out Mm -hmm. there, make it good enough, get it out there, get the reps, you'll continuously get better. And there's probably no difference to to your listeners or readers or whatever between really good content and perfect content, right? What is perfect anyways, right? I mean, who, who can even define what perfect is to begin with? So I, I totally agree, Sean. And it sounds like a great approach that definitely some others will hopefully follow and, and learn from if they're listening here. Let's talk, spend the last few minutes of the episode talking about branding. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. what you've become an expert in. And mm-hmm. it's you know probably a topic that maybe is not at the top of a list for a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, et cetera, et cetera. What do you find are like some pretty common or maybe like two or three mistakes or issues that you usually are asked to help with, right? Like you're, you're, you're signing up all these clients. What are some of the common things that people tend to need help with and, or, you know, how can they, how can they fix them or, or improve their brand? Yeah, great question. I mean, there's there's many in, in ways, and there's many things that I can I can add on that. And you know, one of the real areas that I get called for is when the brand is growing, and there's multiple directions that they can move in. Which is the one that makes most sense for the offer to keep it consistent? And how can we create the messaging that is around that? And how can we target that audience and, and really make it clear and concise so that it fits with that brand? Another thing that I really find is that, you know, people will, they get, ex- we get excited. You know, it's like, say you have an offer and you're just like, you love it. And, uh, you know, I find this more present in females and it's not to fault them in any way. It's just that they're really idea people where men are more structured, where they want more like to know how things are going to align, where women are more free flowing and they, they're really creative in that way. And it's like, when we do that, we get off the races where we haven't set that proper foundation and it's easy to become inconsistent 
right? So when a brand is inconsistent on your platforms, your social media, your messaging, who you're targeting, it's really hard for an audience to get behind you and follow you, right? It's like the consistency of a brand is 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 so important. And, and when we get to the point where, you know, the business is leveling up or, you know, you've been in business two years, it's, it's maintaining that consistency. So we know who you are when you show up and we can support your journey the entire time, right? But uh, if you show up somewhere different, I'm like, who's that brand? That's not what I support. You know, that's not a message that I follow or the you know, the causes I get behind, right? So yeah, that that's another really important point. And you know, it's 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 knowing your audience is is also. I mean, it's so it's so goes without saying, but it's so important, right? You know, Absolutely. who is your audience? How to find them? Where are they hanging out? You know, why are they buying your product? What are their pain points? You know, like really understanding that to a le deeper level. It's 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 you know, it's imperative for a, a brand to grow. For sure. How important is brand to a new or small solopreneur or maybe a solopreneur who never wants to expand beyond just being a solo business owner? They don't want to grow a team. They don't want to hire additional people. How important is it and or at what points might they want to start thinking about their brand, developing their brand or, or you know, if, if at all? Yeah, good question, man. And I would argue kind of the way you describe that, that you might be describing a freelancer. You know, if you're a freelancer, I mean, you're just kind of out there looking for work, part-time work, full-time work, whatever you're doing, but you know, it might not be necessary to have the brand and your work speaks for itself and you're getting all those name requests and everything else. Hmm. But if you're building a business, then I think it's really important. You know, at some point you need to have a look, a feel, a, a design that people are like, okay, I know that business. Like, you know, I know their reputation. I know that I can get behind them and I want to work with them. Right. So personally, I mean, you're talking to a brand strategist and expert here. Like I, I believe that branding is, is, is super important for the growth and, and stability of a, of a business. Right. What do you think some of the key mistakes are beyond things like inconsistency, let's say across platforms or, or in language, any other major mistakes that you see a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs making like maybe one or two, just cause there, there might be many on your list. Yeah. The, the one that I'll, I'll, I'll share is offering too many things at once. Like, and that, that goes back even to what I said before, and I didn't actually mean for to have that connection, but you know, a lot of the clients that I come, that come into contact, you know, they're just offering too many things where you can't distinguish what that person stands for, what their offer is, right? So being really clear on what your offer is, is super important. You know, messaging, I kind of covered, you know, messaging is, is, is super important how it changes and how you talk to your audience, you know, so really understanding how you're, what your voice is, what your tone is all really important. Absolutely. If there's some people out there listening right now and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I haven't really put any thought or effort into brand other than maybe check out your website and, and get in touch with you, which we'll talk about at the end. Are there any like one or two things or activities maybe that like somebody could go through to get more conscious about their brand and or be a little bit more active in, in creating or developing it? Activities, what do you mean by activities? I don't know, maybe like, like what I was thinking of is when you, when your second business came to an end and you kind of sat down with yourself, right? And you kind of went through an exercise of who am I, what do I want to be, and kind of helped craft what you were going to do next. Is there something that entrepreneurs can do? Like, can they sit down with a piece of paper and maybe go through certain exercises or thought processes mm -hmm. to even just get started working on their brand? 
Yeah, of course. And, you know, that, that kind of, what, what kind of came up for me there was, you know, what are you looking to create in life, right? Like, you know, like I'm very big on trying to find purpose-driven work, you know, like what fills your cup? You know, sitting with yourself and like, you know, it's, it's one thing just to create something for sales and you want to, you know, make money. It's like, okay, that's, that's one way to do business. Another way is to be in service in some way where it's like, I want to create this because, you know, I, it really excites me, you know, and like and businesses that have that passion and have that desire where it's like, yeah, I'm going to make money doing this and I want to make as much money as I can. It's at the same time, I want to see the best for whatever I'm serving, right? For whoever I'm serving and, and really getting clear on, you know, what that is for you and, and, and diving into yourself in that level, I think is, is super beneficial for, you know, anybody who's starting out or anybody, you know, getting clear on your why, like Simon Sinek best, said, said it best, right? Like, why are you doing this beyond monetary gains? Like, start with your why. And it's like, getting clear on that can be really beneficial for anybody who's looking to start a business or, or is in business. Absolutely. Sean, my, my last question to everybody is, and, and you probably just also answered it. So maybe I'll ask you for like another, another answer is for those people who are listening right now, they are working their nine to fives. They don't have anything going yet, or maybe they've just got some ideas, but they know that there's more out there. What are, what are one or two pieces of advice that you would give to them? Take inspired action. You know, if this is something that you want to do, and this is something truly you believe is, you know, something that is a good offer start doing the micro steps, right? Like, and, and being diligent with that. How can you work towards a goal? Set these goals up. Okay, so you're working a nine to five. When do you want to be out of that nine to five? What are the steps to get to being out of that nine to five? How far along in the business do you need to be? Start mapping it out, creating that blueprint for yourself where it's like, and, and in digestible chunks. Don't just be like, three years from now, I'm going to be this. It's like, no, man, like what are all those micro steps to getting there and start tackling those micro steps? Because once you start accumulating, like, oh, I accomplished this little thing. I and it's like, and you start seeing things could be created. And that could be something simple, like a logo or something like that. And it's like, wow, it's like, okay, I have something that I'm building from. You start gaining that momentum where it's going to start putting you on that trajectory where it's going to pull you away from your nine to five. And you're going to be like, no, nah, I want to do this because I'm so excited about what I'm creating. So that would be my, my main piece is, is really taking that inspired action and, and, you know, getting clear with, you know, like, are you happy with your nine to five or do you need something else? And if you do, what do you need to do to get there? Awesome. I love it. Sean, this has been really great, really helpful, especially as someone who, you know, spends a lot of time in and around business and hasn't put too much thought into branding intentionally. And I, and I think now I, I probably will. So anyways, wanted to thank you for the great advice, sharing your story as well. And yeah, if, if anybody's interested in learning more about you or your company or getting in touch, where do you recommend that they go? Yeah, my website's uh, yourbrandroots.com and you can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn at yourbrandroots. I think, I believe my LinkedIn is actually Sean Sunderland, but I do have my business account that's yourbrandroots as well. And those would be the top places to get a hold of me and, and kind of get a feel for what I'm doing. Awesome. Sean, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.